Well, in Luke 19, we meet a man, his name is Zacchaeus, and he is, in fact, both wealthy and powerful. He, he's described as a tax collector. That's his job. He's not just a tax collector, though. He is, you see in verse 19, or chapter 19, he is the chief tax collector. He was, these were traitors, traitors to the Jews. They were, perhaps you might put them in the same category as pimps or sex traffickers or drug dealers. Uh, this is the worst of the worst. These are the people who betrayed their own nation. They had betrayed their, betrayed their own God. They betrayed their own families to become tax collectors. It's interesting. Jesus even uses the, the common disdain for somebody as a, who's a tax collector and just accepts it. I'm not saying he says it's okay to not like these people. Obviously, that's, in fact, we'll see that he does not feel that way. But he, he in a sense, embraces and uses the common disdain for these people in, the, in his everyday speech. For example, in Matthew 18, don't, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 18, we're told how to handle conflicts between brothers and sisters in the faith. And if you have a conflict against your brother, what are you supposed to do? Go and talk to him in private. If he hears you, you've won your brother. But if he won't hear, you take a, somebody with you. If you won't hear them, you take it before the church. And if he says, even when the church comes to him and says, and he, he responds saying, get out of my face, I don't want to hear this. Jesus says, let him be to you as a tax collector. In other words, the kind of person you want nothing to do with. In Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is, um, to emphasize how we should love our enemies, Jesus tells his, his, those who are hearing him preach, he says, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Don't even tax collectors do that? It, it, emphasis on the word even. We need to rise above the righteousness or the morality of a tax collector if we want to have any hope of, of knowing God. And so this is, how it, this is how it worked, basically, as far as I can understand it. The Roman or the, the tax collector for Rome collected money for the godless Roman government, and anything that you could extort above and beyond that was yours. Uh, so your job description was, your job was extortion, basically. Uh, you owe Rome $2,000. You owe me $1,000. Your total tax bill is $3,000. Pay up. Oh, you won't pay? Fine, I'll take your donkey. And that's the way it, it worked. Um, now, other tax collectors would have to pay a percentage up the pyramid. Like, if you're a tax collector, you could have other tax collectors working for you because extortion is tough business. And so, I have, I'm a tax collector. I have other tax collectors working beneath me. Oh, you can charge whatever you want, too. But if you collect $1,000 for yourself, I, as your supervisor, want 10% of that. And so Zacchaeus is said, he's at the top of this Ponzi scheme, this pyramid scheme. He's described as the chief tax collector. He, he's bankrupted people. He's seized people's possessions. And the scriptures tell us that he is very rich. He's extremely rich. He's loaded. He's a multimillionaire. He's perhaps a billionaire. This is the guy with the private jet with multiple homes all around the country. He has staff to serve him. He eats, eats the, the best food. Um, 
He only drinks the finest wines. He lives the life of a god. He has it all. And here's the thing about this. Rome gave him the right to do whatever he wanted. Here's a side note. Guys, sometimes actions are legal, but they're still sinful. Sometimes actions are legal, but sinful. What Zacchaeus was doing was not illegal, but it was still sinful. It was acceptable in the eyes of the government, but it was unacceptable in the eyes of God. Now, we, we know that we're supposed to submit to authority, submit to a government. Romans 13 tells us that. But beyond that, there are the laws of God. And the laws of God will say things that are, in fact, sinful, but that will say things are sinful, but they're, in fact, legal. Fornication is not illegal, but it is sinful. Um, gossip, it's not illegal, but it is sinful. Coveting is not illegal, but it is, it's sinful. And I think we need to remember that, especially this time of year, tax season. <laughs> there are things which we can get away with in the eyes of the law, but <clears throat> they're still wrong. You know, you might have a, maybe you have a kid. Uh, I, have, I have four of them. And they're, let's just imagine they're dishonoring parents. They're talking back. They're refusing to eat their peas. In fact, they throw their peas on the floor. Pick up that pea. <laughs> no, don't throw more peas. And the kid throws more peas on the ground. What are you going to do? Get on the phone and call 911, right? Excuse me, there's 911 dispatch? Uh, yes, I have a child. He's disrespecting me. He just violated one of the commandments. Please send an officer out immediately with a taser. I want you to tase the three-year-old. Yes, they called me names. And what's, what's the 911 dispatch going to say? Sir, there's, there's been no law broken here. Uh, bottom line, we need to take our morality far above the law to the law of God and here what Zacchaeus is doing is it's not illegal but it's sinful you couldn't call the police on what Zacchaeus was doing but God saw it and God was going to deal with him now here's what we know about this man <clears throat> we know first of all that he was very what he's very rich we also know that he is very, would you rather, he's also very powerful. He's wealthy and he's powerful. We also know that he's very small. <laughs> he's very small. I picture, forgive me, I picture Danny DeVito, okay? Every time I read this, power, this story, I picture Danny DeVito as the tax collector. Um, and we know this about him, too. He really wants to see Jesus. So he does two things that are not supposed to be done by a man in that day or, or really in this day either. Number one, he runs. Now, I don't know about you. I used to love, love to run, run, but unless we want to get fit or there are dogs chasing us or we stole something, men don't usually run. This man runs, but he's a businessman. So picture this. He's, he's a businessman. 
He's wearing probably uh, an Armani suit. He's got wingtips on, and he's running, it says. He, he's, he's running. Um, and Jesus is, is coming to him, and he wants to see Jesus, but he's such a wee little man that he can't see Jesus. And so what else does he do? He runs and he, he climbs a tree. He climbs a tree. So the thought of, <laughs> it makes me laugh, the thought of Danny DeVito climbing a tree in a fancy suit and wingtips is, it's, it's fantastic to me. And that's what's going on here. And so it's like there's this famous person, he's coming to town, there's this huge entourage, this huge crowd. Everybody wants to see him. Everyone wants his autograph. And you're walking along, trying to see him as well. You look up in the tree, and there's Elon Musk in a tree. That's the scene. That's exactly what happens here with Zacchaeus. He does what a respectable, dignified businessman would not do. He runs and he climbs a tree because he's a wee little man. Something else happens here. Jesus comes along and he calls Zacchaeus by name. He calls him by name. Look at verse 5. Now, I don't know how he knew Zacchaeus' name. I mean, obviously, he is, as Christ, he is God, and he knows all things. Maybe Zacchaeus is so notorious that everybody knows Zacchaeus, and no one wants to be near him. Uh, but he calls him by name, and he calls out Zacchaeus. <laughs> Guys, Jesus always does this. He's always calling people out by name. And there's nothing more precious to our ears than the sound of our own name. I was very young when I heard Jesus call me out by name. Um, I was, in fact, three years, of old, three, three years old when I heard very clearly God say to me, Nathan, I was alone. I'm sure I wasn't alone in the house at three years old, but I was in a room by myself and I found myself in the living room. Nobody was around and my parents had hardwood floors and they had a, a rug in the, in, the, on the, in the living room floor. It was a patterned rug. It had a floral pattern or something like that. And right in the center under the chandelier where the floral pattern was, I remember God calling me by name. I remember recognizing that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. I remember realizing that Jesus was the Savior. He had paid the price of my sin. I remember very clearly saying, I do not want to go to hell. And I got down on my knees, actually on my face. I thought it was the appropriate place to do it. Center of the room on the flower pattern right under the chandelier. And I got down on my face and I asked God to save me because he was calling me by name. It was not the last time he calls me by name. But, you know, I, you can't mistake it. 
picture the, picture the teenager who says, Grandpa, how do you know when you're in love? <laughs> and what does Grandpa say? You'll know. How do you know when God calls you by name? <laughs> You'll know. And, and guys, if God does call you by name, if God lays his hand on you, I would encourage you, I, I, I exhort you, if God lays his hand on you, don't shake it off. Maybe, I, I know you here, and I believe that probably most of you or all of you are believers. But if you're not a believer, maybe he's calling you to himself right now by name. If you are a believer, perhaps he's calling you by name to, to reconcile with somebody that you're at odds with. Perhaps he's calling you to do some work that you really don't want to do or you're scared of, you're unsure of, but you can't deny it. He's calling you by name. I'd say to you, don't ignore it because this is what God does he calls us to himself, and he calls us by name. Now, next, he looks up in this tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Why? Because I'm going to your house. This might seem rude at first, but he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house with all his friends. Um, he's like, hey, Zacchaeus, the 13 of us are coming to your house. Yes, for dinner. We're hungry. We like to eat. We know you've got the money, Zacchaeus, so... We're coming over. And, and he's telling, us, telling Zacchaeus really not so much that he wants to eat, but I think what he's saying here is, Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. Because going to somebody's house and sharing a meal with them is, is, in that culture and in ours, that's an act of friendship. And furthermore, I want you to notice Jesus does this in front of the crowd. Now, it's not popular to be friends with Zacchaeus. So if you're friends with Zacchaeus, if you are, you don't tell anyone. This isn't the guy you snap selfies with, post them to Snapchat or Instagram. You don't tell people that you're friends with Zacchaeus if you are. But Jesus here in front of the crowds, shouting to this guy in the tree, says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house, me and all my disciples, because you're my friend. We're going to eat a meal together. I want to spend time with you. I love Zacchaeus. That's the message. And again, this is what Jesus does for sinners. He calls us by name, and he invites us into friendship with him. He invites us into relationship with him. Don't overlook this. That Jesus is Lord he is God, he is Savior, he is King, he's Sovereign, he is the Messiah, but he's also friend. Jesus, friend of sinners. It's not just a... Th Our faith is not just a theological position that we adhere to. It's not just a... Uh, a, a catechism that we recite. It's a relationship that we enter into. 
And Jesus is alive, and he, he wants to eat with us. He wants to speak with us. He wants to spend time with us. He, he's a friend. He's God and friend. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Now, there are two responses that we see here as a result of this conversation with Zacchaeus in a tree. The first response that I want us to look at is, is Zacchaeus's response. What does he do in verse 6? Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house. And what does Zacchaeus do? He hurries. He hurries and comes down and receives him joyfully. That's Zacchaeus's response. He heard God call him by name, and he responded with, with energy, with excitement. But then we have a second response, and it's the response of the crowd. It's almost understated here. It says, and they, the rest, what did they do? They grumbled. They grumbled. Zacchaeus says, yes, I, Jesus, yes, Jesus, I'd love to be your friend. The crown says, really? It means they're talking about Zacchaeus, but not to Zacchaeus. They're talking about Jesus, but they're not talking to Jesus. They're gossiping. They're They're grumbling. They're upset about this. And guess what? It's a common response to grace in the lives of others. People grumble. <laughs> what were they saying? Not Zacchaeus. I mean, hey, I'd like to have Jesus come over, but he didn't ask me. Did he ask you? No. Why do you ask Zacchaeus? He's a, my house is bigger. I actually am a nice person. Do you, do you get this smug, self-righteous, religious underpinnings here? They're saying we're better than he is. Well, of course God loves us. We're rather lovable, but <laughs> my sins aren't as bad as Zacchaeus's. I deserve salvation. He doesn't. And when we respond in that way to the grace and the life of somebody else, we reveal that we've actually, we've, we've missed the whole point of grace altogether. Grace is unmerited favor. That means we never deserve it. Um, we, we could never earn it. And let's not be too hard on this crowd because I really believe they're so much like us. I had to think about this in getting ready, and even this afternoon I was thinking hard about this. Who would it be that if God would show incredible kindness to this person that it would cause me to maybe not audibly complain, but internally, err. You know what I'm saying? 
that person who abused you physically, emotionally, sexually, even with a small crowd like this, <clears throat> my experience says that a crowd this size probably has at least, at least one person who was abused in some way. If God were to take that person and marvelous, marvelously save them and forgive them of the very things, that, ways they hurt you, how would you respond? Or what about the person that ripped you off? You sold them something or you loaned them money or whatever it was and they never, they never paid. And it doesn't seem to bother them at all. The person that harmed you or betrayed you or the boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife who cheated on you, uh, who hit you, lied about you and spread gossip and terrible rumors, that person who fired you from a job. If God... Who would it be that if God loved them and saved them and then forgave them of their sins and used them for his service, that that would be a tough pill for us to swallow? I think the key to all of this is to know that the reality is we're all guilty. That God would call any of us is a miracle. That God would use any of us. That God would love any of us. That God would place any of us into his service in any way. That's a miracle. And Zacchaeus indicates here that he's coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He calls him Lord. And in that day, if you were under the authority of the Roman government, you called nobody Lord except for Caesar. Caesar, especially if you worked for him. Caesar was the highest authority. But here, Zacchaeus says, Caesar is no longer my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And so, look what Zacchaeus does. He realizes that he has, he has sins. He has sins of omission. There were things that he neglected to do kindness that he neglected to show to others, and he recognizes that. He had also committed sins of commission. He had wronged people, stolen from people, taken from people, and he recognizes all of that. And he says in verse 8, half my possessions I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone, I will give it back. So immediately, as a brand new person, this is evidence of Zacchaeus's new faith. He he does something he's never done before. He repents. What is repentance? Repentance is a change in mind that leads to a change in behavior. He had a change in mind about who Jesus was. He had a change in mind about his own sinful condition. And what was the result of that? It led to a change in the way he acted. And so... He, he publicly confesses his sin. He, he guarantees restitution. And restitution, guys, isn't penance. There's a difference. Penance is what you do if you're trying to earn somebody's forgiveness. It's, it's this false teaching, especially in the Catholic Church, that if you've done something wrong, you need to... You need to pay God or pay others back so in return you get forgiveness. 
that is not what Zacchaeus is doing here. That's not a true doctrine, and that's not even what he's doing. It, it's, instead, it's Zacchaeus' new nature. He wants to right the wrongs that he had done. Not so that he would be acceptable before God, but because God was already kind to him. And he wanted to be kind to others. I want to think about kindness here, especially as it relates to Zacchaeus and Jesus. Look what he says. I, I lost it. He says, where he gives half. Verse 8. There it is. And, and Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'll give to the poor. Half. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a 50% tithe. Um, I don't care how wealthy you are. If you're a millionaire, that's a lot. If you're a billionaire, that's a lot. And that's just the start. Those people that are in need that he saw around them, he says, I'm going to give of my wealth to those people. But not only that, he not only recognizes that he has, there have been sins of omission, that is, things that he knew he ought to do that he was not doing, but he also recognizes that there were sins that he had committed, things that he had blatantly done that God said you should not do. Now he says, now regarding those I have defrauded, you're welcome to meet with me. Tell me how I wronged you. If I've ripped you off and I'm going to pay you back in full. Is that right? What? Fourfold. How many people did he take $1,000 a year from extra in taxes for 20 years? He's not going to pay back $20,000 in taxes, back taxes that he overcharged. He's paying each person back, every household, $80,000. Talk about a stimulus check. And it's coming not from the federal deficit. It's coming from his own pockets. This is kind of like, this has never happened, but I, not to me anyway. It's like you're driving a beat-up 20-year-old Kia. It's got 247,000 miles on it. The paint's peeling off of it. It's rusty. The fender's loose. Nothing works except drive in reverse, okay? You know, you got this real old car. You loan it to a friend. They take the car for some reason. And believe it or not, they never give it back. <laughs> and you're like, I loaned my car to a friend, and they stole it. Now, years go by. And out of the blue, one day, you get a text. And it says, hey, because all texts start 
with hey, right? And, and, and hey, next line. I just met Jesus. I never gave your car back. In fact, yeah, I stole it. Look out your window. My BMW is out front. The keys are under the mat. Title's in the glove box. I signed it. It's yours. That's what Zacchaeus does. Please forgive me. The, there's this example of kindness here in the heart of Zacchaeus. Um, and in the, in the teach an example of Jesus. It, it teaches me, I think, the great power that kindness can have on others. How many people saw Zacchaeus that day and instead dropped a shoulder and slammed into him? I bet there were lots of people in that crowded street that day that saw an opportunity and gave a little back to the guy that hurt them. It reminds me of the, the great grace that I've received just like Zacchaeus did. I want to point out here that Zacchaeus was, or that Jesus was kind to Zacchaeus even though he was a tax collector, even though he was the worst of sinners in that day. And we too have experienced grace, great grace when God sacrificed his son. We... We were huge sinners, and we were mo no more deserving of grace than anybody else. But he lavished it on us. I'm reminded also of the fact that kindness accepts those who are different. And I don't just mean the fact that Zacchaeus was short. <laughs> but he... He was an outcast in that society. He had wealth, but he had no friends. He had... I think of James 2.1. Do you know what James 2 says? Let's go there. We have time. James chapter 2. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there comes also in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives. Now, Zacchaeus' case is kind of the opposite. He had the nice clothes, but the fact remains he had nice clothes, but he had no friends. God calls us to follow that example and show love to other people, no matter how they look or how popular they are, no matter if they're nice or mean or indifferent and and I, I've, I've seen this I've seen it here I've seen it in me 
we're kinder to the people that we think can help us in some way. We go out of our way to greet them and welcome them. And I, I'm, not, I'm not condemning you. I've done it too. The person that comes in that you can tell does not have much or is, appears soiled or looks like they wore the same clothes for a few days because they're stretched out and baggy. We don't greet with the same level of enthusiasm. God calls us to follow that example and to show kindness to people, whether they're tall or short, whether they're rich or poor. Kindness goes out to all. And also, kindness is being friendly to people who are complete strangers. Jesus had never met Zacchaeus before. He didn't know if he would like him, if he would enjoy his company, but he spent time with him. He went to his house. And what's the result of all this? Because Jesus saw him and called him by name, extended kindness and grace to him, what happened? Zacchaeus was never the same. And the very same grace that was extended to Zacchaeus is extended to us and to me, and it's the very same grace that we can extend to others. And as a result, I am not the same. Others are not the same. Someday, guys, someday, I'm going to be walking the streets of heaven, and I'm going to see Zacchaeus. And I, I think that's, that's incredible. I'm going to run up to him and give him a hug. I might have to bend over. I don't know. Um, but Zacchaeus is there because of God's grace. So guys, go. Leave this place. And live like Jesus. <laughs> Call people out. Show them kindness. Point them to the love and the grace and compassion of a Savior who can totally change their lives. And maybe someday they'll see Zacchaeus in heaven too.